you want to be a radical for Jesus? Well, this is Pastor David, host of Restoring Your Voice, and that's what this show is geared toward. Geared toward everyday Christians to equip you for the good works of Jesus and live out your faith radically. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Restoring Restoring Your Your Voice. Alrighty then, welcome everybody to this episode of Restoring Your Voice. Say, wait, you don't do these things on Thursdays. Well, right, I don't normally. But under the uh, unction of the Holy Spirit, um, I'm doing this show. But before we get started into that, um, just any donation you can give, if you would like, if you're able, would be uh, greatly, greatly appreciated. I greatly appreciate everybody who's given uh, any donation that they've given amount is uh, immaterial. I greatly appreciate it, but, um, you know, keeps the uh, show rolling and uh, keeps uh, me able to provide great content um, for you guys. So look, uh, so on your screen, um, if you're watching this by video, is a QR code. I'll take that off, but the QR code will remain in the corner so you can scan that or you can go down to the, to the description, whether um, you're watching by video now or you're listening by audio podcast later, there's a way for you to do that. Um, like I said, um, I, I, I endeavor to always keep content free for you, produce it free for you. I've kept my word, but it's not free for me to do. And it comes with a cost and, you know, inflation, life happens. So I had to cut out some things, um, the quality of this video stream, even or the ability to, to blast out, to record something, say, if I can't be here, and blast it out if, if it's live. I'm, I'm, I'm just unable to do it right now because of cost involved and unable to meet those costs currently. But that's where you come in. So any any help would be greatly appreciated. Um, so, yeah. And by the way, I put out a short devotion today um, tying into the subject I'm talking about today. So if you didn't know that, then, well, because you haven't gone to the website, davidcmaguire.org. David C. McGuire, M-C-G-U-I-R-E dot O-R-G. All right. You can sign up and receive my blog and devotionals for free. So every time I publish it, it goes directly to your inbox for you to read. Okay. So go ahead and sign up. All righty then. So we got, hey, Casey, welcome. Oh, excuse me. Anyway, so to start on this important topic because quite frankly, I am extremely grieved by this lack of taming tongues especially on social media so right now i'm streaming this as well on twitter right because if you don't know i'm on twitter i'm on facebook i'm on twitter um and tiktok i can always remember that things anyway so this is an extremely important topic to talk on and so i said hey i don't normally stream on twitter but i'm going to do it because well twitter is just seems to be especially that place where it's the wild west where quote unquote Christian Twitter, you know, cuts each other apart. I, I see it happen all the time. I, I got sucked into it myself once upon a time, right? Where just calling other Christians out, right? Right or wrong, happens frequently, right? I, I see certain people that come up in my Twitter feed that every day, and I kid you not, some of these people do it every day where they call other people out. You think that's right? You know what? What is what is this? What what image are we portraying when we do this? What 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 image are we portraying to those who are not of the faith, right? Or maybe struggling 
with their faith and be ready to make a decision. Maybe I will come to Jesus. But now we're pushing them away. Now we're pushing them away. Do you think that's actually helpful? Now, I want you to weigh in in the comments section, right? What do you, if you have a question or maybe I'm talking about a point and you think, well, may, hey, would you like me to talk about this point in relation to how we use our tongues, right? Calling other people out, you know, because you may have questions. Well, what about this type of person or that type of person? About when they, how do we respond or whatever? Go ahead, put them in. I'm here to help you. Remember that. I, I'm also able to let you onto the live stream to talk about it if you want. So let me know if you want that to happen. I could put the link um, right now in the live chat, whether on Facebook or YouTube. I don't think it'll work on Twitter. Um, but so if you're on Twitter watching this right now, then you can hop over to the YouTube channel, David C. McGuire. Anyways, I, I can let you on. You don't have to be on camera. You can just be on the microphone alone. All right, we, we can make that happen. So, you know, maybe you agree with what I'm saying. You want to weigh in, maybe completely disagree with what I'm talking about. Or you have questions. Well, let's talk about it. All right. This is not about me being 100% correct and anybody who disagrees with me. Well, off, off you go. No, it's not, that's not what this is about. All right. Right. I do Q&As on Tuesdays normally. Right. Let everybody have their say. Right. I don't normally ban people just because they disagree. So anyway, uh, I'm going to bring up this scripture on your screen. Uh, so I'm in the book of James right now, chapter three, in case you're wondering. So you may be listening to this on audio podcast. But anyway, now, now this the beginning of chapter three, James starts talking about the tongue, right? But what's the proper way to interpret the Bible, right? Context, 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 right? Now that, that, that this isn't applying to everybody, but I want, I want you to catch this. It says here in verse one, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Let me greater strictness. I want you to catch that, especially if you're out there listening. You're a teacher of the Bible in some format or, or whatever it may be, right? Those who do that, those of us who do this, we were held to a higher standard. God judges us not like everybody else. All right. I want to keep that in mind. Okay. It says, for we all continuing on in verse two, for we all stumble. In many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Okay. And um, just for the sake of, of time, um, skip down to verse six. And the tongue is a fire. So the tongue, especially talking to teachers, right? So context is important. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Um, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. All right, I want to keep, you keep that in mind. Staining the whole body. Okay, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. So this is, I'm going to leave this up on your screen for a minute. Um, talking about the tongue, how dangerous the tongue is. How dangerous an uncontrolled, unbridled tongue is. Notice it says it stains the whole body. Well, well, what are we talking about here? I'm talking about in reference definitely to the body of Christ. The bride, a bride that Jesus says is to be without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. But it says here staining. Do you think somebody who's stained is without spot or blemish or wrinkle? No, it's not, right? Because they're stained, right? Just think of it, we, you, you probably heard that term, slinging mud. Right. In other words, when you disparage another person, 
What happens when you sling mud? Hmm? Who gets dirty first? The person slinging the mud gets dirty first, right? Because they have to get in the mud. They have to pick up the mud with their own hands. And before, So they're already dirty with mud. They've already stained themselves, right? And now you're attempting to stain those who are of the bride of Christ. They say, well, brother, I am sure there's a time and a place to call people out. I mean, we know it happened in the Bible. Well, yeah, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But go ahead, weigh in and go go ahead and weigh in in the comment section. All right. Maybe like I say, if you want a point, uh, me to hit up a point, well, let me know. I'll, I'll definitely do that for you. All right. I'm here for you, not not for myself. Okay. So daily public rebuke. Do you think that's right? It goes on all the time. And you say, well, there is public rebuke that happened in the Bible, right? We have these names recorded that Paul specifically named at times. Yeah, right. But a daily public rebuke by name, by the way, not a group of people, right? Not say, if I talk about Mormons, right? Or I talk about um, certain cessationists or I talk about cessationism, right? That, that's different because I'm, 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 I'm confronting a belief system. Right, I'm not specifically attacking the person, but but there's people in the body of Christ. They waste it's a waste, by the way. Their time on and time and energy by calling people out publicly day after day after day. That's all they spend their time on. Right? I can't imagine for one the time and effort that 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 to look up other people and and say, "Aha, you said this wrong. That belief is wrong," and to do a whole video about it or write up a uh, article on this right that, that takes a lot of time it's a waste of time does the bible tell us to spend a majority of our time on calling other people out right now whether those, those, those people are right or wrong right as of right now are, are, it's irrelevant it's irrelevant what was to be our focus what what is to be our focus right jesus didn't say right to go into all the world to rebuke those who are wrong and spread the gospel. Did he did he do that? No, he didn't. Our focus is what? To go into all the world, baptizing all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and making disciples of all nations. That's our primary focus. Okay? Not to have a quote-unquote discernment ministry. Right? By the way, those types of quote-unquote discernment ministries lack discernment in the extreme. Which I've talked about this um, on previous shows. So that we have a problem with this, where the focus is completely off, right? Instead of advancing the kingdom, right? What happens when people do this? They're advancing their belief system. That's all they're doing. They're advancing their opinion. They're advancing this and that and other that. That's all that they do. They focus their time and energy on this stuff. And it's grievous. It's grievous. And a lot of times when they do it, by the way, they haven't done it in proper biblical protocol, right? And a lot of times they're completely way off in what they say anyways. I've seen it. Believe me. I come across this stuff, not that I look for it specifically, but I've come across it nonetheless. So there is a time and a place for everything. Right? I'm sure you've heard that before, and then that goes across all walks of life, right? A time and a place for everything. So what would that look like, practically speaking, then? Well, the Bible lays this out for us, right? 
Matthew 18, right? Jesus talking to us. Telling us, if we see another brother in error, right? This is talking about church discipline here, okay? That's the proper context in Matthew 18. It talks about church discipline. If you see another brother in error, right? Publicly rebuke him right away. No, he doesn't say that, right? What is he, what is he, what, what is the command for us to do? We're supposed to approach that brother or sister in Christ, whomever they may be, privately. Right? And, and and great if they if they re, if they turn from their ways, if they repent, right? That's great. That's the way it should be done. So, and if they don't, then the next step, it's still not a public rebuke. What is it? It's bringing them before the elders of the church, right? And then the very last step is publicly rebuking them, right? Say, well, what about online stuff? How does that apply? Well, same mentality. You see a, a, per, a brother or sister, contact them privately. Private message them, email them, whatever it may be. Now, not saying that person will always respond. But at least you gave them the chance to talk it over with you privately, right? I mean, not to mention social media of all places is a horrible place to get context, right? Somebody may tweet something out. You don't know the exact context of what they said. Maybe maybe they made some typos. Who knows? Let's, let's err on the side of grace is what I'm saying. Let's be humble and err on the side of grace when doing this type of stuff. All right, let's not be so quick to comment, right? Because elsewhere in the same book of James, we're supposed to be called to be slow to anger. So when we decide, ah, I'm just going to call that person out. Are we being slow to anger or not? Right? The time and the place for everything. When you said, they said serious error publicly. Okay, so be it. That still doesn't, say that doesn't excuse us immediately publicly rebuking them right now i've had dialogue with some people okay it went nowhere but i tried i've i've emailed people before some people i got a response from others more than not i don't but i make the attempt i do my best to do that i'm not puffing myself up i'm just trying to let you know this is my attitude. I'd rather see a person come to the realization of their errors in private, right? Than rather publicly outing them and never giving them a chance. Because, because let me tell you what, people are not going to respond well to being publicly outed, publicly rebooked. It, it, they're simply just not going to do it. It's, it's human nature. Nobody wants that to happen. But yet, that's how we roll on social media, right? So many videos talking about other people. So many, right? Like I said, I've done it, but these are the people, by the way, I attempted to reach out to you first before I ever did it. So like I said, this is staining the bride. Now, like I said, I wrote a devotional today all about the subject. So if you missed it, then you need to go and check it out. But it's staining the bride. I, I, I write to you, staining the body, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Let me let me let me put it let me put it to you this way. So you're a bridegroom, right? You're about to get married to a bride. 
Now imagine somebody comes along, right? She's she's in her white wedding dress, beautified up, you know, probably took hours to get that way. Somebody comes along, slings mud out, slings mud on her, right? Guaranteed you or the bridegroom, a human person, right? It's not going to respond nicely. I guarantee they're going to be angry about it, right? Guaranteed they're probably might respond in an unchristian way about it. Okay. Now think about Jesus. Okay. He is the bridegroom. We, the church, are his bride. So how do you think he responds or feels when somebody slings mud at us? I guarantee he's angry about it. I guarantee he doesn't respond nicely to it. Okay. Now, imagine, right, how does he feel when it comes from within? Hmm? So, so what I said about the person doing it. Now, now imagine, so this was just some outsiders, you know, slinging some mud at your bride. That, that was just, that was my thing. What if from within somebody did that? Say, uh, what bridesmaids? What if one of the bridesmaids did that, right? What if they just decided they got angry, and one of the bridesmaids now stained the bride? Ooh, guaranteed there would be a lot of division within the camp. Guaranteed things wouldn't work out well. There would be a lot of angry people. Yet this is what we do from within our own camp. We sling mud at one another and think nothing of it. Yet Jesus himself makes it abundantly clear that, that we are supposed to help each other to present ourselves as a bride without spot or wrinkle, right? Without blemish. We, we're responsible, especially you teachers out there, you leaders in the body of Christ. We are held to a much higher standard than everybody else. We are judged by a different measuring system. All right, it says it said in the Bible. I didn't say it. you don't like it. Well, then I guess you need to step out of ministry. But it's what the Bible says. I didn't say it. So we're held to a much higher standard. Yet it's the leaders in the body of Christ that I see that are most responsible for this type of stuff. Doing it on an almost daily basis at times. How do you think Jesus feels about that? What do you think he actually thinks about that? Guarantee it's not nice. Okay? He doesn't like division. I tell you that much. He prayed in, in John 17 that, that we would all be one just as he and the Father are one. So like I said, go ahead, weigh in on the comments. All right? You got questions? Or you agree? Or you disagree? Or whatever else, go ahead, put them in the comment section. I, I, I will address them. I, I will I will address them. So, what about the Bible then, right? What about the public rebuke? Well, I kind of hit that up a little bit in Matthew 18, right? Now, there is a time for public rebuke. All right, even Paul instructs Timothy for this, right? To publicly rebuke, right, so that the others will fear and not sin, right? So, so let's think about this practically speaking. Let's think about it practically speaking. 
say a brother, sister in Christ believes in a self, believes in something in a salvific, right? Maybe, I don't know, they believe that Jesus already returned in 70 AD, right? That makes them a heretic, right? There, there's no room for dialogue there because they're not going to listen anyways. Then, then obviously, or somebody espouses homosexuality, that, that Jesus is okay with it, or the Bible, then, yeah, it's, it's time. Yeah, we can, you know, if they're, uh, especially if they have an, an influence, yeah, we can absolutely do that. Absolutely, no problem. But notice Jesus, right? He's supposed to be our example. Like, when did he really ever publicly rebuke by name, though? He publicly rebuked them as the Pharisees, but he never publicly, like, I'm in front of his crowds, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about when he was arrested, right? He stood in front of the high priest. I'm talking about when he's out there saying those things, even in Matthew 23, you whitewashed tombs, you this, you this. Who's he addressing? The Pharisees, right? The Pharisees. So I would say the better way to publicly rebuke at times, the majority of the time, is to come against a wrong or false belief system. Right? So you say, well, this person, well, come against it. And teach people about it. Teach, teach people that preterism or partial preterism is heresy. Right? Teach people that then. Teach people what the Bible says about homosexuality and that all throughout the Bible, um, God rebukes it. Right? Teach people that. Teach people about the word of God, right? If somebody believes, well, the word of God, well, there's mistakes in there, but I, I still believe in the Bible. No, you don't, first and foremost, but teach people how the Bible is inerrant and infallible. Teach them that. Let them ask you questions. How about that? Things like that, instead of just always going straight to naming names. I mean, there's a time for that. I've done it. Don't get me wrong, but I, I, I try and, not to do it often, you know, because motives matter. So maybe you're out there. You've probably done it. You've seen somebody post something somewhere, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, whatever else, YouTube, and you're just like, I disagree. Well, why are you even doing that? And and, and is it a salvific issue? Because if it's not a salvific issue, then you, there's no point really in commenting. Even if you say, well, I disagree with that. Well, that's fine. Disagree with it. But it's disagree in love. There's no need to comment on everything. There's no need to throw in your throw in your opinion. Well, that person believes women can be passive. I think the Bible says, I disagree with that. Why? It's not a salvific issue. And if you really disagree with it, then you say something about that belief system instead of coming out and rebuking a person for it. Right? Maybe... Maybe whatever eschatology you hold to, and, and you disagree with somebody who holds to a different than, than yours, right? Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, pre-wrath, all of that kind of stuff going on out there, right? They're not salvific issues, right? I mean, some of them are weighty, but they're not. So then why don't you teach people that? It's not difficult. If you have social media, then most certainly you can do something, right? I mean, you could go hop on Word. You can go type something up. Right? You don't even have to have your own website these days. Just go into Word, Microsoft Word, 
and and you can uh, put it into a PDF document from there. Or there's plenty of websites out there who will that convert Word documents to PDF and so so on and so forth for free. So there's our ways. But what is the motive, right? Is it to be right? Because let me tell you this: you can either have a motive to be right all the time, or be in unity. But you won't have both. You you. You will never have unity while your motive is to be right all the time. And by the way, let me give you a newsflash here. None of us are 100% right about anything. None of us, are our doctrine and theology is not 100% right. No matter who we are, no matter how well educated we are, no matter the degrees, right? No matter how long we've been in ministry or alive on this earth, whatever it may be, we are all going to get to heaven one day and we're going to find out how much we did not know and we're going to find out how much we were wrong in. That's just the way it is. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13, right? Now we what? Know in part. We only know in part. So, so none of us are 100% right in everything. I don't care the commentaries you've written, the, the papers you've published, the number of PhDs you have, by the way, a PhD only says that you are a specialist in a very specific area. Anyways, so how about some humility, right? What is it? You want to prove a point? You want to show everybody else how, how awesome and smart and educated you are? And you know the Greek, uh, the Bible, the biblical Greek frontwards and backwards and whatever, or you know the Hebrew. Well, so what? If it's a non-salvific issue, it doesn't necessarily need to be addressed, no matter how strongly we may feel about something, because there are things I feel strongly about, right? I, I feel strongly, for instance, about eschatology, right? You know, a post-tribulation rapture. I'm very strongly about that, and I see the dangers in the pre-tribulation rapture, right? But I don't necessarily call everybody out who's a popular you know, minister and because they hold to a pre-tribulation rapture, right? In fact, there are ministers that I follow and listen to, and I have no idea what they believe in, by the way, and I don't care, honestly, to, right? I, I mean, I feel strongly about women leaders within the church. I do, right? But it's not a salvific issue either. Um, there's so many... Things like that. Oh, we just want to prove we're right. I mean, I just saw today where where where, uh, where a brother in the Lord wrote a book about the Antichrist, the Islamic Antichrist, right? And there were four other books written in response just to that. Crazy, right? Who the Antichrist is or where he's coming from, whenever that happens, is not a salvific issue. But these people will write entire books just to prove how right they are. What What is the motive in that? I guarantee, I guarantee it's a very selfish motive. And it does nothing for the body of Christ. It's slinging mud all the time. Yes, exactly, Richard. I'm going to put that on the screen real quick. My friend Richard here says, what gets me is when well-known pastors are so dogmatic and they're totally unbiblically. A absolutely. I've seen it. 
there's, there's a video going around out there. Mike Winger talked about it. He, he addressed it, right? This guy hooping and hollering, yelling, jumping, crowds cheering him because he's so dogmatic that beards are wrong, that men should not have beards. I mean, never mind that, you know, in the Bible, everybody had a beard. Every guy had a beard, and not to have a beard was actually a shameful thing, by the way. But there it is, right? So dogmatic about things that are so unbiblical, right? Dogmatic about cessationism, you know? Um, dogmatic about the Eucharist, right? Whatever belief system, you know, they may have on it. Yeah, I've, see, I've seen it myself, and, and it's very unfortunate that it goes on like that, all right? Motives matter. Motives matter. At the That's what it is. Why, why do we do what we do? Why are we so dogmatic about what we're dogmatic about? You know, why do we feel the need to personally attack other Christians, to personally publicly criticize other Christians? Well, I tell you what. So, so then... I've said this before. If we spent more time privately praying for people, we would spend less time publicly criticizing them. Because if we did that, then I, I guarantee we would we would we would not have a need, feel the need to always publicly criticize. I guarantee the first thing we should do before even messaging, emailing, or in some ways, privately contacting a person, is how about we take it to God in prayer? Why don't we let him decide? He knows best, right? He sees what we can't see. He knows what we don't know. He's the one. He is the one who knows everybody's heart and thought life. We don't know that. We don't know why somebody put that out, preached that, whatever it may be. Only God knows. So why don't we take it to God in prayer? What does what is he going to say on the matter, right? He may be rebuking us for it, right? He he may he may want to do that. He may want to rebuke us for it. Don't you say a word? What, how, how dare you make that judgment call? Maybe hey, that person may be wrong, yet God will still restrain us from saying anything if our hearts are wrong, if our motivations are wrong. I just want to out that person. That person was so wrong, and they they deserve to pay for that. Well, that's your motive is way off if, if that's your heart. Everybody should know how wrong that. Well, your motive is, is already way off the way off the mark. You know, if our motive is, man, I, I want to see a brother, a sister, man, I, I pray that that you know they they mature in the Lord, get their eyes of the heart open, whatever it may be. Now that's the right motive. And and, and where that's gonna come from is private prayer. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of wrong people out there, right? I'm not, like, you know, have a whole lot of experience when compared to other people. But I'd rather pray for that person, you know, even somebody who I vehemently disagree with. Or maybe they've, maybe they've attacked me publicly. And I still pray. God, I pray that they're blessed. Maybe I don't hear from them again for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe I don't see their posts or videos or whatever. Irregardless, whatever that is, God, I, God, that person pops into my head. God, I pray that they're blessed. I, I pray that they're living a blessed life right now.
That, that's my prayer for those types of pe for, for people. Not that they should be outed from ministry. I mean, plus, how do we know how effective they could actually be used for the kingdom of God? God can turn anybody around. Anybody. He can, and they can be used for the effect, effectively for the kingdom of God. And like I said, even, but we have to be able to discern things, right? Is it a minor issue or is it a major issue? Let me tell you what. There are a lot less major issues versus minor issues. The amount of minor issues, yes, are out there in abundance. But the hill for us to die on, very, very, very few hills. Yes, I understand. Salvation, uh, justification and faith in Christ alone. Yeah, I, I, I okay, that's a hill to die on. Definitely. Definitely. You know, um, the Trinity, there's a hill to die on. Um, G right? Jesus is God. Yes, he's not created in any way, shape, or form. Right? It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all equal. Yeah, hill to die on. Things like that, you know. But we have other things that I've already mentioned already that are all secondary issues. I mean, Bible translation to read, that's not even an issue. That should be a non-issue, but it happens. Well, they read that Bible translation. It's non, It's a non-issue unless we're talking about the Passion Translation or something. And, 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 and these same type of people that are quick to publicly criticize are the same people who lack discernment when there's a move of God, by the way. Like Blasting Revival, right? The Asbury Revival, for one. Since that's the one that got the most attention, but there's others going on right now currently. It's just the one that got the most attention. But man, they couldn't wait to come out and force. When we decide to publicly criticize, our understanding becomes darkened. We can't see God moving when he actually is moving. Right? Oh, that woman up there, she was, she was, she was up there reading from the Bible and she didn't. So God was moving there. God was moving there. She wasn't one for one, she wasn't actually exerting spiritual authority over anybody by reading a Bible passage. But these same people who are so quick to publicly criticize cannot see when God moves anywhere. And they call these people out by names, right? They, they don't even have a clue. They, they didn't contact these people. They didn't go to these revivals. They didn't contact anybody involved in the revival. But man, they sure have their opinion on it. Notice I didn't say biblical opinion. No, they have their opinion on it all right. Why? They don't know. It, it, doesn't the Bible command us to examine all things, right? And then to hold fast, to discard that which is evil, right? And to hold fast to that which is good. So there is good, right? You discard, okay, if that's bad, like we'll, we'll take things that may happen at a revival, for instance, right? It's going to be messy, right? And where God moves, of course, Satan is going to try to interfere with it. Okay, so so those, those instances of that, by the way, let me just pause and say, a, a lot of the um, public criticism of things like that happening actually never happened in some of these revivals you can by the way go watch my interview i did with dr brown recently on this and you'll 
you'll you'll hear from him about this. Um, but you know, so what? Does that make the overall revival bad, evil, satanic, not of God? No, most certainly not. Unless you want to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step on some toes here. Unless you want to tell me that your church is evil. Now, well, why would I say that? Because I guarantee, at the very least, there are people living in sin, sitting in your pews every Sunday. So if you're one of those that say, well, because this evil happened at the revival, well, you don't forget, God is a God of equal weights and measures, right? He doesn't like imbalance. Don't, don't do that. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. So if, if that is evil based on evil people doing evil things or whatever you want to call it, then you have to apply that to your church. And I guarantee, guarantee there are people in your church living in sin. You know how I know that? Because the data is out there. The data is out there. I think it's at least 50% of men in every church across America are addicted to porn. The data is out there. Never mind the amount of pastors addicted to porn that are out there and the amount of women as well in the church that are addicted to porn. That data is out there as well. I don't remember the exact numbers. Now, of course, those numbers could have shifted since the last time I saw it, but you, you get the drift. I guarantee it. So then by the standard, right? By the way, by the way, don't forget the, the Bible also says, right? That the same measure that we judge by, we're going to be judged by. So if we judge a revival by the bad things that happen there, then we would have to judge our congregations by that same measure. And then by that same measure, then our churches would be quote unquote evil. Obviously not. Obviously not. I'm, I'm getting, I'm trying to drive the point home. How silly and inane and ignorant this public criticism often is. Well, that brother has a minor error there. Okay. Whether it be women in leadership, um, you agree with or don't agree with, okay? May, you know, here's another one I see all the time. People attacking each other over creation. How long it took? Well, let me, let me give you a hint. The Bible doesn't say so. So, well, it says six days. Well, Genesis isn't a science book. And Genesis was written at a time when other ancient Near Eastern cultures had been around for a long time already. Hmm? So it's confronting their creation stories as much as it is informing the readers of the Bible about the creation itself, right? So we don't know. How long did it take? Nobody knows exactly. I'll put it that way. And if you're so dogmatic about the creation of the earth, I would like you to prove it to me with uh, irrefutable scripture. I didn't say scientific data because you said scripture says, prove it to me with irrefutable, with irrefutable. I know what side I lean towards, but that's neither here nor there, right? By the way, then there are many fine spirit-filled men and women of God who are pre-tribulationists, who are doing wonderful, effective things for the kingdom of God currently on this earth right now, going into very dangerous places. Let me put that out there. You know, people attack each other over... Okay, well, you don't believe in Calvinism or you believe in Calvinism. Either way it goes. It's a non-issue. 
Because whatever side you fall on in that spectrum, wherever it may be, like everybody says the same thing. Salvation through Christ alone. Faith in Christ alone. That's it. Everybody believes the same thing. Right? Why are we making an issue over it? Why are we doing that? Why do we why do we do exactly what um Paul warned against? Remember he talked talked about that? One says I'm of Apollo, one says I'm of Paul, and he rebukes him for it. Don't we see that today though? When we, we go attacking each other over it, or we think we're so high and, and mighty. Ooh, I'm of this denomination. So and so is my pastor. Well, okay, but we're all equal in the body of Christ. Right. So go ahead, go ahead, weigh in. Go ahead, weigh in. If you got any questions on this topic, or I've 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 been talking now for over 40 minutes. Maybe there's a point I haven't brought up you want me to address, then by all means, please. I I, I will I, I will address your points. So I am trying to pay attention to the chat while I'm talking. Okay, so then when is a good time to say something public? When is it? Because there is absolutely a good time to do it. Okay, let me let me say that I'm not against public rebuke at all. I'm not against it 100. Right? I've I've gone down this list that I've had written down here. Okay, right? What when when the motives are off? Then I'm completely against it. I don't care how wrong the other person is. By the way, the motives are off. Don't do it. Just just don't do it. Right. If we don't think about the consequences, what is this going to produce, right? I'm against public rebuke, like I said, if people don't person, uh, yeah, privately pray about it first. If we don't privately pray about it, then you have no business publicly rebuking anybody. And I'm against it that way too, right? Um, and of course, if somebody hasn't made the attempt to privately contact a person first, then I'm against public rebuke. All right? I'm talking about Christians. Okay. Now there are people who are not Christians. Okay, who consider themselves Christians. Let me just put it that way. All right. I've already talked about that briefly. So is there a time and a place for it? Yeah, there is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? You read Paul's letters to Timothy, right? And you know, whether whether or not you think, well, it was a private letter to Timothy, and, and so he didn't publicly rebuke him. Well, the end result is their names are out there in the public, right, from the Bible. So there is a time and a place, absolutely, absolutely. But remember, the motive matters. Right? Even Paul writing to Timothy, I forgot the exact names there right now. I'm not going to look them up. But he talks about that, you know, that they may be handed over to Satan. But he doesn't leave it there, right? For the purpose of what? Of them, of their repentance, basically, in a nutshell. I know I just paraphrased it. For the purpose of their repentance. That's why. That's why. So, you know, if somebody is irrefutably known to be living in sexual sin, yeah, got to call that out. Absolutely, because there are people who may follow those types of people. Yeah. And, and they need to be warned. Or people who like Kenneth Copeland, right? Many people hold to him as a Christian. But yet, examine him and you can see he's a clear heretic, right? Absolutely. 
Call them out. People need to know some of these people. Not everybody, right? These very dangerous people who are in positions of, lack of a better term, influence. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. You know, they, they, these people who constantly prophesy annual words and they constantly miss it year after year after year. Yeah, it's time to call those people out. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. Okay. Things like that. Like I said, if you got any questions on this, then let me know. You can put them in the comments. I will, I will be more than happy to address them. You may have a question about specific people or churches, perhaps. How about that? Anyways, my point being, yeah, there is a time and a place. I'm not 100% against it. I'm against it when it's, it's just not right to do. When we don't know all the facts, there's another one. Before you do it, make sure you know all the facts. Hmm? And then if you're going to do it in a video format, perhaps, if you're going to do it that way, perhaps, and maybe you don't want to do a whole entire video, maybe somebody has, um, we'll say, an hour-long thing, right? But obviously, you know, you don't want your show to go on for that long or your video, whatever it may be, and you want to c condense it into video bite-sized clips. Well, then at the very least, if you're going to do that and it's right to do, then put the full video there where somebody can watch it for themselves. If you're going to write an article on somebody, but rebuke them, then fine. Then, then post links to where you got the information from. Like allow people to go to your sources. Hmm? Make it fair. Let people be able to judge for themselves. So there is a time and a place for it. Dangerous things. Um, refusal to repent. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, refusal to repent. You know, somebody maybe um, they're not married. They're, you know, they're they're minister, whatever. They're they're lit, shacked up together. They don't want to listen. Yeah, absolutely, go for it. But just remember, it's for the heart. It should be for a heart of redemption. Just remember that. All right. If you're not doing it with a heart to see those people or person, church, whatever it may be. Redeemed, don't even do it. Don't even do it. All right, don't you dare play judge and jury and executioner. Well, those people, God just never meant them to be saved. But you don't know that. Unless you have, unless God has given you omniscience, which he hasn't, then don't you dare try to play that with people. Don't, don't do that. Please. Because then... All you're doing is playing devil. That's all you're doing. I'm going to condemn that person. I'm going to condemn that person. Oh, oh, gotcha. I see that person would be wrong. Your heart's already way off. You don't have the heart of God. Okay, so I didn't see any questions come in about this subject, but that's okay. Um, then I guess I hope I did. I hope I did a good job of covering these topics on the special uh, show. Like I said, I want to get on here um, and... and really talk about this topic because I think it's of utmost importance. But real quick, again, before I go, if you would like to, I'd appreciate any support that you can give. There's a QR code up on the screen for you to scan. It'll take you directly to the donation section of the website. 
You can go click on the link in the video description. Whatever you choose, but any amount would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Like I said, I keep all this free for you, but it's not free for me to do. There's cost involved and, well, the cost increase and such and other matters. And so I'm not able to do what I used to do for you. Right? Like I said, I'm not able to record video content and then have it blasted out to you to watch because there's a cost involved in that, right? I've had to downgrade and I have to downgrade the video quality. I have to downgrade my ability to produce graphics. All right. And I'm not, I'm just trying to let you know there's other costs involved as well that you may not, that I'm not necessarily going to talk about, obviously equipment, things like that. So any amount would be greatly appreciated. All right. If you can give, God bless you. If you are unable to give, God bless you all the same. But with that, um, I will be out. Oh, oh, I see a question real quick. Okay. So, uh, great question here from Richard. Um, do I believe some pastors are beyond redemption only if they've committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Only if I know that without, I, I, I have to have incontrovertible proof that they actually did it. Now, I don't want to say, well, somebody so and so says that they said, no, I need to know for myself. But that is the only case where where a pastor would be beyond redemption. I mean, they could they they could have been watching porn from the pulpit. They could have been um, caught in adultery, and all that. It's serious sin, by the way. Let me say that. But it doesn't make them beyond redemption. Oh, it's only one sin listed in the Bible that is unforgivable. Like I said, that is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I did a, a whole show on that. You can go look that up, um, but that is that is the only thing I will ever say where that makes a pastor or leader or any Christian for that matter beyond redemption. So that's a great question, though, because some people may say, "Well, they believe in that," but it doesn't make it's not in the Bible that says it makes them beyond redemption. So anyway, thank you for the question. Thank you for everybody watching. Real quick, don't forget to hit that like button before you go. All right, the little small task. For you to do to hit that like button, but it makes a big impact. Okay, in other words, it drives this content up to, for 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 other people to see and watch as well. So wherever you're watching this from, Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook, click that like button. Like I said, small thing that you could do. It takes you less than a second, but it has a big lasting impact. So appreciate that. Um, I always forget to. I'm horrible at promoting myself. I don't like doing it. Okay, but I just want to get the content out there. So appreciate everybody watching today. God bless you all. And I'm going to end the show here. Be blessed. Put